Sales Tuners, Episode 10. Tony Bennett, Director of Sales at Terminus. On every single call, the only way you're going to get someone on the next call is if you can, again, offer them value. This is Sales Tuners with Jim Brown. The only weekly show where we talk about the behaviors, attitudes, and techniques that get sales reps and entrepreneurs to grow their revenue from $1 million to more than $10 million in just two years. All I do is win, 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 no matter what. Got money on my mind, I can never get enough. And every time I step up in the building, everybody hands go up. It's time, it's time, it's time. It's Sales Sooner's time. I'm Jim Brown, your host, and our weekly inspiration comes from Mimi Akone, who said, first, you have to believe in yourself before others can believe in you. My guest today is Tony Bennett, who got into sales after deciding not to go to law school. She comes from a background of being an account executive at People Matter, Sales Loft, and Pardot, which was acquired by Exact Target and then again by Salesforce. In her current role as Director of Sales at Terminus, a platform designed to do account-based marketing at scale, Tony has a team of 10 AEs, 14 SDRs, and 4 in sales support. When she's not working, Tony continues talking about sales with her husband Landon, who is also in sales leadership, or chilling with her golden doodle Stanford, who is named after her favorite college football team. Before we dive in, I want to say a quick thank you to our sponsors. A big thanks goes out to the team at Octa for helping make this podcast possible. We all know that a better sales process creates a better buying experience, and Octave is transforming the way sales documents are created, distributed, and tracked. Check out a demo at Octave.com. That's O-C-T-I-V.com. All right, make sure you stick around until the end where I'll give my recap and top takeaways. You can check out all the links and show notes at salestuners.com slash Bennett. But now let's get to the conversation where Tony describes the moment of panic she had when she realized she was sick of school and had a pile of student loan debt. Like a lot of sales professionals, it was kind of by accident. Um, I was pre-law throughout college and determined to go to law school. And it was really interested in international politics. And right before I graduated, I had a moment of panic. I have a lot of school debt and I'm just kind of sick of school. I don't know if I can do three more years of law school. So I talked to an advisor and he encouraged me to go ahead and find a job. And if I wanted to do law school, I could always go back to it later. So I kind of fell into sales. Uh, That advisor from uh, the college I went to had been a VP of... um, solutions at UPS. And so there was a local office in Greenville, South Carolina, where I lived inside sales. So I actually got a job there, not really understanding what sales was. And at first I was terrible at it. I was super nervous on the phone, incredibly awkward. Uh, it was, it was pretty bad at first, but it was something that paid the bills. And then over time, I actually learned to really like it. Um, it took, it took about a year, But over time, finally, um, I realized that when you try to sell to someone, uh, it can come across as awkward. But when you just have a conversation with someone, you genuinely are interested in what they're doing in their business and you can find ways to help them that it actually could be really fun. Absolutely. It's uh, it's funny how, like you said, it can come across as awkward because you don't know what to say or how to do it. But then when you just relax, have a conversation, you're there to help magical things happen. Yeah, and something too that I think I learned through that first experience, um, the entire office of people, there were 200 inside sales reps in this office, and most of them were much older. Most were in their 40s and up, uh, some people in their late 30s and 50s, so kind of a big range. But um, 
almost all men. And so I felt that I was constantly trying to imitate um, the men around me. And finally, it really wasn't until I got to Pardot that I realized you can be yourself and that actually it's way better when you are. Um, you know, I was trying to say big words to sound older and again, to sound more like my male counterparts. And when I actually was just myself and embraced, um, you know, how young I was at the time and my inexperience, and was just myself. I started having a lot more success. So that was actually a really big lesson for me. Yeah, nice. I've had uh, Jenny Vance on the show before, and she talked about this concept of painting like Picasso. And, and what that what she meant by that is you can't teach people to sell by just saying, imitate me, right? Just do what I do, because otherwise we would just go paint like Picasso. So uh, I love that uh, analogy. Uh, Tony, as you know, we break the show down into three sections. We, we talk about the behaviors, the attitude, and the technique. So I'm going to start with the behavior, which is just simply what you do. So tell me about your sales process today at Terminus, and, and, and how does someone decide to buy from you? Yes. Yeah, so we're in kind of an emerging space. Account-based marketing isn't actually a new thing, but uh, there's technology now that enables marketers, B2B marketers to do account-based marketing in a way they weren't able to before. So with that said, we're in an emerging market. Uh, so I think our sales process is a little bit different. Um, not a whole lot of people are coming to us, coming inbound. We're having to go out and find them. So, you know, Terminus is a, an account-based marketing platform and, and we take an approach to account-based marketing with display ads. So to get someone's attention, it actually usually starts with our SDR team. So, uh, the SDRs, we have, like you mentioned at the beginning, 14 of them, and they are an army. They are incredible. So they cold call, email, social sell, you know, all of the above. Of and really try to get into accounts. Um, luckily for us, since account-based marketing is a bit of a buzzword, sometimes dropping that at the beginning of a call can be a great way to start a conversation. And they're doing some qualification, setting an appointment, uh, getting them over to the account executive who further qualifies, runs through a demo, and um, so forth. So you kind of said it, account-based marketing right now is kind of a buzzword. And so uh, it's hot and a lot of people have different uh, definitions of it. What does that actually mean? Yeah, the way we define it is thinking of it as flipping the traditional lead-based funnel on its head. So traditional lead-based marketing is all about putting as many leads into the top of your funnel as possible. Uh, it's very volume-based. So you're going to get some good ones, but you're going to get a lot of ones that aren't qualified. And so you filter those through. But according to Forrester, the challenge is less than 1% of all of the leads we put in our funnel actually turn into revenue. That means 99% of our efforts, time, energy are not going to revenue generating activity. So the idea of account-based marketing is, again, flipping that funnel and starting with the small end on top, bigger on the bottom. So we start by identifying the right accounts that we should be going after, finding the right individuals within those accounts, finding ways to engage the right people in the right accounts with a compelling message that's customized and personalized to them. And when we do that well, we're going to turn them into not just customers, but true advocates of our brand. So that's kind of how we define the space. It's super simple. Find the right people in the right companies and target them in a personalized way. So I, I want to ask you to get specific and you know how you're opening up those new opportunities, but I'm going to push back first, right? So you just said to me, 99% of all the effort that you do doesn't work, right? Only 1% leads to revenue. So what happens if we take this approach and you know six months in, you know we've done everything you said, we've identified the right person, we've personalized the messaging, and no sales have happened? <laughs> That's a good question. Um, 
couple thoughts. So one, I will say with account-based marketing metrics, um, since we're moving away from volume-based marketing to quality, more quality-based marketing, your metrics for success will be different. So revenue is the right way to look at it, but you also have to keep in mind, depending on your sales cycle, that that approach will take some time. So if you have a long sales cycle, six months may not be enough to see the full impact of it. But here's how you can see if it's working right away. So when you're focusing your strategy on, again, not targeting the masses, but just the, the right type of audience, um, what you want to do with your ABM efforts is, um, aside from, again, personalizing more of that content to the right audience, you need to find the right channels. And obviously, we would say that Terminus is one of them to get that message in front of the right people. Uh, according to Topo's research, um, marketers are only reaching 15% of their target accounts. That's because when you do a lot of inbound marketing, only the folks that are looking for you come to you. But what about the other 85% out there that you don't have access to? So find ways to go out and find them. Um, but aside from the actual strategy, the way that you know if it's working is looking at engagement and pipeline progression. I don't want to go too deep in the weeds with it, but essentially, if you're focusing on top of the funnel kinds of activities, you want to see by doing, say, an A-B test, is the ABM efforts that I'm doing actually leading up to us scheduling more appointments? Is it actually leading to more people from the right companies coming to our website and engaging with us? Is it helping us to get someone from stage one to stage two or three of our opportunity stages faster? So uh, ABM is, is, again, not about lead gen, but all about taking the right accounts and moving them through the sales funnel faster and moving more of them through the funnel. So there are lots of smaller ways along the way you can see if it's working. Okay, so that makes sense. So now let's let's get specific about you, right? So your team is cold calling, they're cold emailing. Uh, you know, those SDRs are setting appointments for your AEs. What does that look like? What are they? How, how are they getting uh, those appointments? Uh, yeah. So trying to target messaging that's relevant to the type of account. So based on industry, based on the persona, um, based on other things we can learn about the company, they try to customize their email template. So we have a standard email that everybody gets with our value prop, but we try to customize it a little bit based on what we learn about the prospect. Um, then on cold calls, um, we use sales off cadence is the tool we use for email and calling, which we love. And uh, on cold calls, we try to start the conversation, something to the effect of, hey, Jim, it's Tony from Terminus. I see you're the VP of marketing at ABC Company. And I was curious, is account-based marketing on your radar? And whether they say yes, no, or the maybe, or I don't know what the heck you're talking about, there's kind of a different path that will take them down. Gotcha. And so can you tell me like a little split? I'm very familiar with uh, with sales loft. What kind of... Um... I guess, touch frequency are you using? Like how many emails to how many calls? Any any idea on that? Yeah, so now that we have someone who manages the SDRs, I don't know exactly what they're doing, but I believe it is still, um, I believe it's three emails, four phone calls, and two social touches. Um, but depending on the persona, depending on whether it's a more enterprise account or smaller account, uh, sometimes the model is done in different ways, but the idea is we want to make sure to hit them across multiple channels because some people respond better to one or the other. So those social touches, actually, I think it's three social touches, two on Twitter and one on LinkedIn. Gotcha. Gotcha. I like that a lot. So, uh, Tony, you, you've carried a bag, obviously yourself for many years now. Uh, is there a habit, you know, or a routine that you find yourself that you do every single day? Just as an individual contribute a habit to how I organize my day? Yeah. 
Yeah. So something that I did poorly when I was very new at sales was going into my day and just, okay, whatever's on my calendar, I'll just do it. Um, what I did to set myself up for success the night before, usually right before I went to bed, um, I would look at my calendar for the next day and understand what uh, I had on it and make sure that I was kind of prepared for it. And what that meant was looking at all the net new meetings that I had, doing a little bit of homework or research on them, going ahead and having the notes. Because by the time I would get to the office, sometimes I would get busy and would never get to it. And it's terrible to go into a call unprepared. So preparing the night before, doing uh, some pre-call research, and um, making sure I had all the resources that I needed for the demos that I the night before. Um, and then I would always set off my calendar. So anytime that I wasn't on a meeting, I would set off different blocks of time. So one hour a week I would spend on ops that I had deaded out in the past, once you have a bigger pipeline, and make sure that I was still going back to those every so often. I would set aside one hour a week to do kind of some new prospecting and an hour to make phone calls and emails. And so um, being diligent about blocking off times on my calendar for activities that are easy to miss if you just go into your day and, and just start going. Yeah, I love that. So, uh, Tony, I want to move us into the attitude portion of this. And, and attitude is defined for me by just this is what you believe about what you do. So I want to get into, the, into that mental state. And, and first, just ask, like, what do you think is the biggest thing that, that holds salespeople back from, from hitting their goals? It can depend, of course, on the person. Um, I think sometimes it is – there's probably two main things I would say. Um, sometimes it's confidence, especially when someone's young or new. I know I struggle with that. Again, when I was at UPS, um, when you are young, when you don't know as much about your product, selling yourself short, um, almost assuming that the person on the other end of the phone knows more than you and that you're interrupting their day instead of assuming that, you know, you're a professional, you're being paid because what you do is valuable to the company. You're actually more of an expert in your own product, your own field than probably the person you're talking to. So um, I think selling themselves short, not having enough confidence when going into conversations. Um, the other thing I think would be not being prepared enough slash not showing value, which I think we're going to talk more about today. But um, a lot of times reps go into calls and especially if they're the kind of personality that's great at talking, think that they can get by on just having great conversations and building great relationships but today's buyers, you know, are being pulled in a million directions. If you're not able to clearly define value every time you talk to a prospect, it's highly likely that you're not going to get the sale. So being prepared, remembering what the value prop for this particular customer was and being prepared every time you talk to them. Got it. So you guys have a, a product, right? It's a platform. So you're doing a lot of demos in that. Uh, Talk to me about that. Like, how do you put your salespeople in the best position to uh, to run that demo? Because oftentimes, like, I, I've had this. I get a lead, like, look, just show me a demo. All I just want to see is just the features. How do you take care of that? So I think prospects can tell right away when you get on the phone if they're going to want to do a discovery with you or not. So if you're going to show value, you have to be able to have a great conversation, do a discovery. And if you get on the phone, super awkward or sometimes even if you ask for permission to do a discovery or if you pepper someone with questions that doesn't have a logical flow, people will say, hey, just dive into the demo. But when you get on the call 
Um, something about, I think the inflection in your voice, if you're over the phone sales, but also the way you approach the call and the line of questioning you ask, I think earns you the right to get to ask more questions. So if you get on the call and it's, Hey Jim, thank you so much for joining. Hey, why did you take the call today? Awesome. Well, Hey, uh, I want to understand a little bit about, uh, things for the next 10 minutes. And then what I have planned today is to show you a little bit about what we do. And by the end of the call, we should be able to understand if there's a fit on both sides. Does that sound like a plan? And you're kind of getting their permission up front to be able to even ask questions. And then when you ask the questions, I think it's important to make sure they have a logical flow. If you can ask questions in a way that feels conversational, someone will keep talking to you and they won't even notice how long they've spoken to you. But if you ask question, then you ask the next question, the next and the next and the next, and they don't really seem to be connected, you're jumping around different topics that's when people tend to get a little annoyed. Like, all right, can we just jump into the platform? Clearly you're just trying to qualify me. Um, is that? Yeah, is that no, it, it makes complete sense. So is there a time though, like, I guess when you get on a call, are you always going to demo regardless of what happens in the conversation? Are, you, are they going to get their demo? Or do you say, you know what? It really doesn't make sense for us to continue on the demo call. Absolutely. Not everyone would get a demo. So for the most part, the way our, our SDRs position let me take a quick step back. I think when you're in a more established space, like at the end of the time I worked at Pardot and I have a couple reps from Pardot and Marketo, you can ask for a 30 minute discovery. It's an established space. Someone will give you that usually in an emerging space. Like what we do, we do kind of need to entice someone with the promise of a demo. So everyone comes onto the call expecting that. However, depending on how the discovery goes, we will ask more or less questions and then we'll show a little bit of the demo. We never show the entire thing. We're always going to show a little bit. We strategically decide what part we're going to show that will best capture their interest. And actually, sometimes if you have a really long conversation with someone, we'll show them kind of one page of the actual demo, but it's enough for them to understand what we do. Uh, and if, if during the questioning, we determine that someone is truly not a fit, then we'll say, hey, let me be honest with you. It doesn't actually sound like there's a fit here. Let's just part ways. So I think, you know, if, if someone is a good fit, we will at least show them something, just maybe not too much of it. But if they're not a fit, we're going to be quick to disqualify and get off the phone. Got it. Got it. Tony, how do you, and, and I'm asking you this as an individual, right? So how do you sustain high growth or high performance or, you know, even the opposite of that, if you get on a stretch where, gosh, it just, things haven't been going your way for a couple of weeks or maybe even a month, you miss your numbers. How do you... Uh, from a mental capacity, move past that or sustain that level of, of growth, whichever way you want to go. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's obviously really tough, especially if it feels like you're doing the right things. Um, one thing is, is being very proactive. So don't go too long in a slump. I, or I guess I should speak from my perspective. I would never go too long in a slump before being honest with my manager. Hey, I'm going to be honest. I feel like I'm getting a lot of losses right now. I'm starting to get a little bit scared, a little bit nervous about quota this quarter. I want to make sure I nip this in the bud right away. Can you listen to the next few calls I have and try to help me point out things? Um, I think there's a balance. If you've had a, already a, a track record of success in knowing you bring value, don't completely doubt yourself, but also being open to change and open to understanding what you could improve. And so the key is, 
uh, asking peers or even listening to calls of your peers to hear things they do that you could incorporate. And then again, getting a manager or sales coach, uh, whoever in your organization involved, as soon as you feel like things aren't going right, um, they're going to be a lot more able to work with you and to help if they understand what's going on. That makes a lot of sense. Tony, I'm going to move us on to the technique portion of this. And technique is just simply, this is how you do what you do. So, um, you know, how are you reaching back out to people once they've had a demo with you? Uh, how are you following up with them? Yeah, so I mentioned before this concept of always um, bringing value to the table. So something that I'm really big on with my team is doing that on every call. So on the first demo or call, it's really important to um, be sure that you do a good discovery so that you have enough information to actually customize that demo. Um, from there, if you were not able to get enough information to be able to clearly articulate how your product is useful for this uh, potential customer, how it brings value to them, then you probably didn't do a good enough discovery. So you should be able to take the information that you gathered about their use case, their current setup, their problems and challenges, and be able to then say, uh, let's say I'm, I'm calling someone after a first demo. Hey, Jim, uh, I was looking back over our notes from our previous call, and I remember you sharing X, Y, and Z with me. And after thinking about it more, I believe Terminus can help you in this way, this way, and this way. Did those things resonate with you? Would you add anything? Does any of that not sound right? Get their feedback. And then ask more questions to get them into deeper conversation. And so I guess taking a quick step back, my my philosophy with my team is um, on every single call, the only way you're going to get someone on the next call is if you can, again, offer them value. So now that I have been a buyer in my role, I've seen a lot of sales reps and what they do. And my biggest pet peeve is when someone calls to just check in, to follow up, or they put a time on my calendar with no agenda, no purpose. I'm really, really busy. I'm in meetings virtually from 8.30 to 6 or 7 p.m. at night. I don't have time to jump on a call if there's not a purpose. And so I tell my teams that, um, my team that um, when you're setting a call after your first demo or any extra call, you need to have a purpose. Hey, Mr. Prospect, the reason we need to meet again is on this demo, we were only able to cover X, Y, and Z. Based on what you shared, I think there's more delving into use cases that we can do. And I'd like to walk you through our ABM framework on the next call and dig in deeper to how this would actually be beneficial for you. And if you were to use Terminus, how you would get started. And then after that call, hey, it sounds like we still have some more unsettled business as it relates to what onboarding would look like. I'd really like to walk through that with you to make sure you're prepared for success. So on every next step, every next call, you need to find some compelling reason to get them to speak with you again, have some kind of plan for what you're going to accomplish on the call. Got it. Let's, I want to unpack that just a little bit, Tony. So you've talked to me about before, uh, obviously running a great discovery call is, is critical, right? But how do you get the right questions uh, in that meeting that align to your product? And you've talked to me about the idea of you've whiteboarded the flow of this you know, uh, feature of our product results in this and therefore here are some questions but can you talk to me about that process that you take your reps through yes absolutely um i actually realized a few months ago that i wasn't preparing my team as well as i thought it was i was giving them the questions that they should ask during discovery but i wasn't really telling them why those questions were important and finally one of my new reps kind of called me out for it he's like I think I'm struggling with discovery because I don't really understand why I'm asking these questions. 
Then a, a light bulb went off. So we did this exercise that I think is super valuable. And I think in an ideal world to the you know, sales reps out there that might be listening, ideally your manager or your director would be going through this with you. But if not, I think this is still a great exercise to go through yourself or with some of your counterparts on the sales team. And essentially what we've done is first the team met together and we said, okay, what are the main benefits of our platform? So with Terminus, for instance, we're going to expand the reach um, of our customers so that they can reach more of the right people in their target accounts. Another benefit is we're a more proactive way for them to reach the right accounts. They can go outbound, essentially, to find the right companies. Um, it gives them a new channel for their multi-touch strategy if they're not already using display. So we kind of map out the main benefits of our, our product. Then we map them to the challenges that the prospect would be facing for this to be looked at as a benefit. So if I'm saying that Terminus expands the reach of our customers, what are the challenges that that customer would be facing that makes that a benefit? So companies that don't have a robust contact database, um, they would find this really valuable. Companies that are struggling right now to reach the right audience and companies that have a really diverse or very large audience of stakeholders. Let's say there's 20 plus people in an enterprise account that need to be involved before a deal can be sold. The sales rep can't possibly talk to all 20 of them. So it's really beneficial if marketing can help get in front of more of that audience with their message, in our case through display ads, that can help to generate more awareness in that account. So we, we map the benefit back to what are the challenges of the prospect that would make this benefit really compelling? And then what questions would I need to ask to uncover that? So how do I know if someone has a diverse uh, audience of stakeholders or a large audience of stakeholders, I ask a question. Hey, uh, Jim, what types of companies do you reach? Awesome. Within those companies, what types of stakeholders are important that need to be involved in the process? How many of them do you think are involved? Awesome. Um, how do you reach them today? What are the types of methods or tactics that you use? So, so um, I might be kind of beating a dead horse, but again, the point is think about the benefits you offer. Think about the challenges that someone would face for that benefit to be seen as very powerful. And then think about what questions you would need to ask to be able to uncover that information so that when you dive into the demo, you can say, all right, Jim, here's a part of the demo you're going to find really exciting. Terminus is going to be able to help you expand your reach to more of the right people in these accounts so that while sales is out selling to their one, two or three contacts, you as a marketing team can get a customized message in front of all 20 of the right stakeholders in that account. That was a, a lot of awesome stuff there. And so I'm actually going to take all those positives you just gave me. I want to flip it. So uh, is there a time, Tony, that you have just like been doing some of the stuff you're talking about and just absolutely failed and it just didn't work? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, who hasn't failed? And in sales, it's kind of like baseball. If you're batting 300, you're failing 70% of the time, but you're still successful. Um, there are absolutely times, and I'll talk about me as an individual contributor, where I thought I was asking the right questions and had completely missed something. Um, but I'll give you one specific example. This is a slightly different topic than what we just talked about, but there was one time as a sales rep when I was at Pardot, that I almost did not hit quota. Luckily for me, it only happened once. And I hit it on the second to the last day of the quarter by like $50. I exceeded it by $50. Um, 
And that was really unlike me. So when I reflected back on it, what did I do poorly that left me in that boat? And what I realized was I was focusing on uh, prospects that weren't the right fit. So I was clutching on to the accounts that I was working. And instead of being honest with myself and realizing that some of these companies were not actually the right fit and were probably never going to buy from me, I wasn't picking up those buying signs or asking the right questions and just kept trying to work accounts. I kept saying, you know, call me later, call me later. They were tire kickers. And I didn't notice that. So what I did moving forward was improve my discovery, better understand what things I needed to look for that could be red flags in my deal and was better able to assess those. No self-serve can do that perfectly, but better able to assess those so that I was focusing my efforts on best fit prospects and not the accounts that were never going to close. Yeah, I it's incredible. And you're probably spending more time with those that were tire kickers than those that, you know, would be buying and just, you just couldn't get out of that groove. Exactly. Yeah. Tony, we're going to take a quick break uh, to thank our sponsors, but when we come back, it's going to be time for the money round. So don't you go away and sales tuners, don't you go away either. We'll be right back. Sales tuners, Octave has built a sales productivity platform that streamlines the workflow for creating and managing your sales documents. Everything from presentations and quotes to all of your proposals and contracts. They can pull data from your CRM, CPQ, and ERP systems, saving you time and accelerating each sales opportunity. Octave has been around since 2010 and now serves more than 400 organizations. I'm talking global enterprises, guys, like GE and Siemens, national brands like Angie's List and FedEx Office, and even industry innovators like Double Dutch and Lindemood Bell. You've got to check them out. Go to Octave.com. That's O-C-T-I-V.com to learn more. And hey, during your demo, be sure to tell them you heard about them on the Sales Tuners podcast. Money, money. are back and it is time for the money round. Tony, are you ready for the money round? Absolutely. All right. What's the one thing that has contributed most to your transformation from normal to exceptional? Uh, I think when I stopped being a rule follower, as I mentioned at the beginning, when I was young in my career, I was very much trying to emulate everyone around me and do exactly what I thought was expected. And finally, I realized almost anyone who's ever been great at anything was great because they challenged the status quo. They did something different. Um, When I finally, and it took a few years, realized that and started challenging the people around me and trying new things, it actually contributed to me being much better at my craft. If you were to start over today in sales, what would you spend the next 30 days doing? Part of it would be what I just shared. So having the right mentality. um, But more importantly, when I started my career in sales, especially since I wasn't prepared for it. Um, I very much underestimated what the career in sales was. It's very much a craft that you have to hone. It's not something that anyone picks up automatically. I would go back and do a lot of my first 30 days, a lot of studying sales 101, sales basics. I would have read books like the challenger sale, read a lot of blogs, and most importantly, talk to other people on the sales team and ask them what's made them successful. Got it. Tony, which phrase describes you best and why? I love to win or I hate to lose? Probably I hate to lose. Okay. And what's a book that you've read multiple times or always find yourself recommending to others? My favorite, favorite, favorite book is Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. 
Um, my father actually had told me to read it for years and I never did. And because a lot of people have probably heard of this book. When I finally read it, it completely blew my mind. It is so incredible. Um, it's all about being more intentional about how you organize not just your work life, but really your home life and how you put everything that you do in all facets of life, including work, into context, into who you are as a person. Um, I think especially for sales professionals, but for anybody, it's a really, really good book. Well, Sales Sooners, if you'd like to check out Tony's suggestion of Stephen Covey's The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, head on over to salessooners.com slash book, and there you can sign up for a 30-day trial of Audible and browse their 150,000 titles. Again, that's salessooners.com slash book. Tony, what's the biggest piece of advice that you have for all the Sales Sooners out there grinding today? Uh, my biggest advice would be be confident and trust yourself and, and really don't wait around for um, anyone else to give you something, to hand you something. Uh, and that kind of goes back to not being a rule follower. Challenge the status quo. Believe in yourself and what you bring to the table and go after what you want aggressively. Don't wait for good things to come to you. That is great. I'm going to get you out of here on this one. How could someone find you or connect with you if they wanted to after today's show? Absolutely. Um, on LinkedIn, you can find me, Tony Bennett. Uh, my name is spelled a little weird, T-O-N-N-I, Tony Bennett at Terminus. Um, Twitter's probably best, though. It's just Tony Bennett, T-O-N-N-I-B-E-N-N-E-T-T, -N -N -E all one word. Tony, this has been great. I really appreciate your time. Thank you for being on Sales Tuners. Absolutely. Thanks. I'm sure you could feel the same energy coming from Tony that I did, and you can tell she's the type that just is going to make things happen. I want to get to my top takeaways from today. Number one, confidence is key. Once you realize that you know more about your product and field than the person on the other end of the call, the whole world opens up to you. Stress levels go down, better questions are asked, and that feeling of awkwardness and intimidation starts to fade. Number two, quit being a rule follower. While it's important to know the rules of the game, more often than not, it's so that you can know which ones to break. Don't just imitate those around you. Challenge the status quo and find your voice. And number three, keep it conversational. Be logical and intentional in your questions by focusing on the purpose of where the answer should take you. As you start to better understand your flow, people will continue to engage without realizing how long they've been talking to you and open up all kinds of opportunity you might never have got to. That's it. Thank you so much for listening. If you have questions you'd like me to ask our guests, please tweet at me at SalesTuners or shoot me an email, jim at SalesTuners.com. Be sure to sign up for our email list where we send out expanded content and previews of upcoming guests. All right. I hope to see you next week. Until then, let's make it rain. Thanks for listening to Sales Tuners. Stay up to date at www.salestuners.com. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes. And they stay there!